Good morning to each of you this morning in the name of Jesus, and good for us to be here. And we've been blessed. I'd like to uh, take your thoughts this morning for a message to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. This uh, message will be somewhat of a continuation of some of the thoughts that we've already been thinking about all the way through from the devotional and the Sunday school lesson and now uh, the message. It's a bit of an unusual text. I titled the message, um, it's just a quote from this, uh, this verse, Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 1, and the text is, um, Dead flies in the ointment. Dead flies in the ointment. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 1. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Now this is a very interesting word picture when you think about what the truth is that's being taught here. And I like, we'd like to explore this a little bit this morning and understand what Solomon here is, is showing us and how it applies to us in our lives. So now let's look at this word picture. So you have the ointment that is being made. It's in the process of being formulated, being made. And in this various stages of process, dead, or I should say not dead, but flies get into this ointment. And um, because of this, you know how they dead fly, or flies get into things sometimes, and it's like, say like honey, and it's sticky, and they get trapped there, and they can't get out, and they die there. That's the picture we have here. This ointment, this oil, they usually use olive oil for the base of their ointments. And um, it would have been sticky, and the flies got trapped in it and died, and it caused a stench rather than something that would have been pleasant and useful. Now, the apothecary, that's a word we don't use so much today, but it would be like a pharmacist or a chemist, someone that is uh, working with the various ingredients, the spices, and um, the oils to, uh, to make this. Among the Jews, oil was mixed, usually olive oil, was mixed with, uh, with precious ingredients um, for, for many different purposes. You know, with it, priests and kings were anointed. Guests at the table of the rich were treated to it as a luxury. It was used for people who were sick. It was used for anointing the dead before burial. We have that um, picture given there where the woman with the alabaster box came and anointed Jesus because she had, she had known and understood that he talked about his coming death. And uh, Jesus said that she had, she had anointed me for my burial. And so that would have been um, 
an illustration of this, and that the, the fragrance of that would have filled the house and probably out through the windows into the street, and those who passed by would have realized that something was happening there. And so it was for, uh, used for the, uh, for, for the anointing of the dead. Now, also it was used um, to anoint, um, like I said, priests and kings. It was used a lot in the Old Testament worship. If you go back through um, the, all the um, ceremonies and the rituals that Israel performed there, uh, the use of anointing oil was, uh, was very common. And in fact, when Aaron, as high priest, was first anointed, um, they, it was about a hin of oil that was, would have been used. And a hin of oil was, is about a gallon, uh, roughly four liters. And that was poured down over Aaron as part of the holy anointing as high priest. And, and, um, and so that was significant. We'll probably come back to that a little bit later. So it was with uh, great care that they made preparation of this material and used it for these special purposes. It was necessary to not only take great pains in making it, but also in preserving it from contamination by keeping it covered. And somewhere in this process, Solomon says, sometimes there could be flies that would get into it. And because um, flies were easily attracted to it, but the dead flies would soon spoil the ointment. And it says that it would have been a, brought forth, it sent forth a stinking savor. It was a stench rather than that which would have been pleasant and attractive. Now, <clears throat> the thought or the principle in general that we see here is he's saying that a little folly, or I believe that we will look at it and say this morning that we can say a little sin, is a great blemish to a man that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. How many of you ever found yourself or suddenly discovered that you just did something that was really kind of stupid, kind of bad, just really not very smart. And you had that, you had that realization that that was not very good. I shouldn't have done that. A little folly or a little sin is a great blemish to a man that is in reputation, or a woman that is in reputation for wisdom and honor, just like dead flies spoil a sweet perfume. That which is normally expected to be sweet and pleasant to the senses is found to be repulsive, and like I said, it is a great stench. Now this not only would be a great disappointment, because somewhere in the process, a lot of time and material was wasted. Some of these fragrances were very costly, like um, myrrh and some of those. But um, so it would have been a great, not only a disappointment in the process of it being ruined, but he is saying here that it would have been a disgrace. And it would, would ruin the whole purpose of the ointment. So what would be some spiritual applications in relation to this scripture this morning for us when we're thinking about this whole idea of, of uh, dead flies in the ointment. 
First of all, what is the ointment of our lives? Now, in this scripture, it would liken the ointment to reputation. We have that here. And so it, uh, we can, you can ask, well, what is reputation? Now, reputation is what people normally think or expect from a certain person. And that's because of a, of a certain profession. In other words, what is, is expected? If uh, someone tells you that, you're, that they're a neurosurgeon, you have a picture right away of probably something that they're involved in, and, and it may be a certain reputation. And you would be shocked to find out that maybe that they say, well, I'm also a veterinarian. And you would say, well, how does those two fit together? Um, and I just use that as an illustration, be a lot of illustrations. Because someone with a certain reputation, you would expect that they would um, know something or act in a certain way or function in a certain way because of a, profess a profession. If someone says that they have um, a degree in theology, would you expect that they would know something about the Bible? Maybe have studied the Bible? See, that's, that's a reputation that would go with a profession. And of course, we would say today, in relation to this subject, that if someone says to you that they're a Christian, wouldn't you say that there's a certain reputation that you would expect from them because they made that profession? Isn't that, isn't that how it works? Very, it's very simple. Now we could ask the question, what is the difference between reputation and character? Well, character is what a person really is. And um, not just what people think we are. Where reputation can be what is, uh, you can say what we think a person should be because of their profession. Where the character actually is what they are. Uh, whether or not they... Uh, profess whatever. Now, you think about this ointment now in relation to um, what is the ointment in our lives? And I would like to say this morning from the spiritual New Testament scriptural perspective that, um, that this is, it comes from, or this reputation, this ointment, this anointing comes from the indwelling Holy Spirit. And this ointment is the sweet savor of Christ in our lives. That's how we're going to apply this scripture. And I think it is in the context, it, it totally makes sense. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor, so doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. The thought of wisdom and honor, we're going to look at it from the perspective of us as a, you could say, a, making a Christian, a spiritual profession. And if you would say to me, I would say to you that I'm a Christian, I've been born again. Would that mean that you would have a certain level of expectation from me? Or you would have a certain level of expectation of what you would see in my life? You would have a certain expectation of the decisions that I make and why I would do certain things. And we say, well, that's absolutely true, right? And it's, it's in this passage as well. There's an expectation because of a profession, or we can say reputation. Now, <clears throat> the, um, and so thinking of this as the, this ointment is the sweet savor, not savior, savor, aroma. 
the sweet savor of Christ in our lives. Ephesians 5 and verse 2 says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given, us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And so there we have that to walk in love, because Christ loved us first, and gave himself as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. That goes back to the picture of the Old Testament sacrifices. And I, I just always enjoy, you know, the, the word pictures that the New Testament uses and applies it and brings it right out of the Old Testament, helps us to understand the Old Testament and connect the, the working of God throughout the ages. You know, when they sacrifice on the altar of burnt offering, there in the temple, or tabernacle, later in the temple, there was an, a special formula, there was a special ointment or uh, oil that they poured on that sacrifice. And every sacrifice, was, was, it was poured on there. Jesus talked about that. You know, the, uh, that every sacrifice is salted with salt. It was, it was a salt, salt was part of the formula of, of that oil. And it was poured on every, every sacrifice. And you, you know with me, the smell of burnt flesh. And it's not a pleasant smell. This anointing oil or, or the oil of sacrifice was poured on, the salt uh, formula on every sacrifice. That was, and I don't, I don't know how much it changed the aroma or the smell, but the scriptures make it very clear that that sacrifice then was a sweet smell in the nostrils of God. And that was part of their Old Testament worship. And now you bring this right into the New Testament, and you have Jesus Christ coming and shedding his blood and giving himself, as it says here, for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. It's like the burnt sacrifice for a sweet-smelling savor. And so God the Father found pleasure in the aroma of Christ's death, as it were, spiritually, because of what it meant to God. Now, so you think about that now in relation to us and where we come into this. Uh, Philippians 4 and verse 18. But I have all and abound. This is Paul speaking. I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. And then he says, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And so here what he's saying, Paul is saying is, you sent me this gift by the hand of Epaphroditus, and I, I received it from you. And he says, it's, it is a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. So there again, you have the principle of sacrifice and this aroma that was pleasant in the nostrils of God because of the sacrifice that was made acceptable to him. Now, we also have a similar thought in Titus 2. Let's just turn to this one. Titus 2 and verse 9. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, 
and to please them well in all things, not answering again. We would just apply that very simply. We don't have the servant's master um, definitions today, but we would have employees and employers. To please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. So he is referring here to the Christian servants, and we would say Christian employees. And it's interesting, when he uses the term in verse 10 then, he gives a list of things that we are to do as a good Christian employee. But he says that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. The word adorn there is the same word that we would get the word, root word, that we would get the word garnish from. Now, you as sisters know what garnish is. Um, why, do you, why do you put uh, some of that green leafy stuff sometimes on mashed potatoes? I think that I had something the other week leftover from the ladies' retreat. The ladies didn't eat all of it, and some of it came back to our house. And I think there was something that had a, a leaf, a tea leaf on the top. And when I saw it, I was trying to figure out, now, am I supposed to eat that, or is that just there for pretty? That's, a gar that's garnish. You garnish it. I guess sometimes you eat it, sometimes you don't. I'm not I'm sure what the rules are of that, but every person to himself. But you understand what I'm saying? That's what this word means here, to adorn the doctrine of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. So, what does that mean? In very simple terms, it means that when we live out our Christian life, whether as an employee, as an employer, or as a housewife, as a school teacher, whatever, whatever we're doing in life, whatever our job is, whatever our function is in the world, we are to live our Christian life in a such a way that we are making the doctrine of God and our Savior, we're making that attractive. That's why you garnish something. You make it attractive. And if you think about this in relation to this ointment idea and the dead fly problem, as we live our lives before the, in the eyes of a watching world, we are to make the doctrine of God, our Savior, attractive. That's a challenge to me. I don't know how you feel about that. I'm a kind of a stoic person, as you well know. I don't smile a lot in the pulpit. I don't, I'm a very stoic kind of person. I wish I could change that. I work on it sometimes, but I try to. But but is it really good for us to go around in, in the community with a long face? You know, it's just like... My wife tells me sometimes when I don't smile, I can look kind of stern. So I'm trying to work on that too. But you understand what I'm saying? You know, and we all have those, these things that we, we work on. But the question is, how can we adorn? How can we garnish, you know, the, the doctrine of, of our God and Savior? To make it attractive. 
to have that sweet smell, that aroma of the Holy Spirit within. And it's not just a smile on our face. That, that can be part of it, of course. And I do believe that what we, how we conduct ourselves, I mean, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, but all that is re related to this idea. We are called to adorn the doctrine of God by consistent lives. So this means that just like dead flies ruin the sweet smell of the ointment, so we can also cause the name of Christ to be shamed by our careless or wrong actions. I think that's the principle from the scripture. Now, what are some dead flies that we could pollute, that, that would pollute our ointment? Just practically speaking, um, just to name a few. You know how it is, you rub your shoulders with those we work with and in society, and, um, and this is something we have to really watch for, at least I do. Sometimes somebody will be telling a story and it ends up that you don't realize it at the beginning, of this little story until you get to the end that it's an off-color off joke. What are you gonna do about it? No, we just, we don't laugh at those things. Um, we, we guard that because it could be like a dead fly in the ointment to, uh, to smile or laugh at the wrong thing. That which, that which uh, is an off-color because of sinful or immoral or whatever it is. You've got to be careful of those things. Expressions of anger, uh, critical, unkind words, a proud, boastful spirit, or inconsistent in our choice of appearance, and, or careless in our speech, and being double-tongued, or ungracious in our social contacts, or like rudeness. Um, lack of sensitivity to the feelings of others, being short-tempered, and I mean, the list could go on and on, whatever you, you can imagine that could become like dead flies in the ointment. All these and more can be flies in the ointment that would ruin our Christian testimony. And, and you th I think about this in relation to um, not only personally, we maybe we'll come back to this a little bit, but you know, also collectively, you know, when we're, we say that we're a part of a brotherhood, we're part of a group of believers, you know, we worship together. And, you know, our reputation as a person is also becomes the reputation of the group. And we have to watch that because I'm, it's not just me and my reputation, it's also the reputation of my church. It's the reputation of my brothers and sisters. And they say, oh, you belong to that, that church or all those, those people. Um, and so that's something to, to think about. I had to think of that story last Sunday that Eldon began his sermon with and referred to uh, as a very clear illustration of, of what would be like a fly in the ointment. To have a Christian bumper sticker on and yet drive like, like there's no respect or whatever. Um, that would be certainly fit into this category. Now, how can, in closing, how can we preserve pure ointment? Well, I think that we need to keep learning from the meekness and gentleness of Christ. 
And we talked about this a little bit in the Sunday School lesson, but you know, this idea that, that Christ is our example, Christ is our pattern, and throughout our lives, we will never get finished with this journey of learning about our Lord and to emulate or copy, mimic what it means to be a Christian, to serve Christ. And so the meekness and the gentleness of Christ must become part of our character. Luke 4 and verse 22 says there, of, of Jesus, there as he uh, was in the synagogue, it says, and all, and all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. There was something about that that, that, that was spellbounding. They were startled almost, and they, they looked at that, and they heard that, and they watched his face. And there was just something about, and I've said already, you know, that I think Christ at times in some of those situations, he, it was almost electrifying. And they just looked at him because there was just something there. And we say, well, that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, yes. But for us to mimic that, to emulate that in our lives, that people would realize that we're different, and not just because we dress a little funny sometimes or we do this or that or the other thing, but because there's an aroma of, of spiritual life that is coming out of our lives and touching those around us. We need to be completely honest with ourselves and not just shrug things off. You know how easy it is for us to say, well, that's just the way I am. We need to work on things. We need to, we need to understand. And, um, you know, we say sometimes, you know, well, nobody's perfect. And I always cringe a little bit because it usually is in the context of cutting a little more space for ourselves, a little more room for ourselves. And we just need to be careful we don't do that. You know, if we're aware of it, then we work on it by the grace and the power of God. Also, we all need these, those, um, need the good, trusted friends in our lives who care about us enough to tell us the truth. And sometimes the truth is a little painful, sometimes the truth hurts a little, but you know, it's the truth that sets us free. And so by doing that and responding to that and understanding that and appreciating that, that is a way in which we can preserve a pure ointment. The, uh, the ointment, the power, the oil, the Holy Spirit, working in and through our lives. And along with what I just said earlier, another one would be that to be brave and humble enough to accept the counsel and the help of others. And I would say even to seek the help of others is also an important part of preserving, preserving that sweet aroma of Christ. We need to keep fervent love with each other in the church. And again, this is something that came from our study there in First John. But uh, just to paraphrase this, have you ever thought of it this way? You know, Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. Could we paraphrase that? By this shall all men know that ye are not my disciples, when ye fight among yourselves in the brotherhood. Is that what Jesus meant? I mean, that's the negative side of it. But is that kind of the equivalent, or just in the, in the negative and so that is something that, again, we need to help each other to keep that ointment pure, to keep that ointment sweet, and that there is that relationship that is good. And uh, when we fail, we repent, and we ask forgiveness, and we get back on track, and, and that's a beautiful thing as well. We also at times need a fresh anointing 
with fresh oil of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Psalm 92 and verse 10, But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. And then he says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Now, I believe there's times in our lives where we are awakened to the, some needs that maybe we were oblivious to, and maybe we need, you know, we need some adjustment, we need some repentance, whatever it is. And there are times then with that that I believe that there is an additional anointing of oil of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I don't think it's something that we just, you know, seesaw back and forth a lot on, but, but nevertheless, I do think that there are times when we make recommitments in relation to our, our initial commitment to Christ. We, we, we recommit ourselves to be faithful. And that can also involve then a, an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us in a, in a fresh way. And I think that's possibly what the, the psalmist David here was referring to. He said, you're anointing me with fresh oil. You know, that oil that we have allowed to become contaminated because we've allowed things that we shouldn't have in our lives needs to be cast out. It needs to be thrown away. It needs to be repented of. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to anoint us with fresh oil that has that fragrance of Christ that is there for all the world to, to, to notice and to smell. And our brothers and sisters to realize the sweetness of our character, the sweetness of our life because of the Holy Spirit. And so like Aaron, there in the Old Testament, we need the oil of the Holy Spirit poured upon us. Leviticus 8 talks about that in verse 12, and he poured of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. In other words, it was a setting apart. It was an establishment of something that was going to be different. Now, I'd like to take you to one more scripture in closing here. 2 Corinthians uh, 2. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the, save, the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life, and who is sufficient for these things. Now, what this means, I believe, is, you think about, um, in verse 14, that there is a triumph, there is a victory in Christ. And, uh, and we can have that as we live for Christ and have that spiritual victory and this is, it maketh manifest, or there is an aroma of this that goes out from our, our lives because of the faithfulness of the work of the Holy Spirit and, and Christ within. And it's the savor of his knowledge that we, we understand. And then in verse 15, he says, 
as we have this surrender in our hearts and the work of the Holy Spirit within, this becomes a sweet smell or sweet aroma, sweet savor of Christ unto God. And so as God the Father looks upon us and watches us and sees us in our functions in the world and with each other, he is happy. He is satisfied. He is he, is, uh, he finds it a, a pleasant aroma, just like in the Old Testament sacrifices. We are that living sacrifice, like Romans 12 says. A living sacrifice. We're not a dead sacrifice on the altar like they poured the oil on that one. But the oil of the Holy Spirit is poured into our life, and we become that living sacrifice, a sweet aroma in the nostrils of God. And then he says in verse uh, 6, uh, verse Last part of verse 15. In them that are saved and in them that perish. And then verse 16. To the one we are the savor of death unto death and to the other the savor of life unto life. What does that mean? Probably numerous things. But one thing in relation to this we talked about this morning. I believe in the savor, or let me say it this way. The sweet aroma of, of our Holy Spirit anointing will bless the lives of our fellow Christians, fellow believers. And it will also bring conviction to those who are still in spiritual defeat. And so for those in spiritual defeat, those who do not know the Lord, do not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within their hearts, it's a savor of death because there's a conviction that goes with it. But for the child of God, for the believer, it is, it is the savor or the aroma of life unto life. Have you ever been in a, a, a situation where you're maybe far from home or in a different area or something, and, and you met this stranger, and somehow you just realized and found out, maybe even with a few words or watching them or something, that they were a believer. They were a child of God. They, they made a profession of Christ. And you can just tell. There's just something there about them. It's the savor. It's the aroma of life. It's the aroma of the Holy Spirit in their life. And you can connect with that. And uh, that's what God, God wants from our lives. And so, just thinking back to Aaron being anointed there, you know, when we have the Holy Spirit anointing upon us, I'm sus I, I suspect that after that anointing, when Aaron walked back to his tent or walked through the camp, the smell of that, that oil, that anointing oil, was wafted all around him. And they, they knew that and understood that. Psalm says that that anointing, if you think about a gallon of oil poured down across the head of Aaron, it says it ran down his beard, down across the skirts of his garments, down to the ground. A gallon of oil would do that. Complete. And as he walked... It would have been dripping. As he walked, it would have been, like someone said, sloshing in his sandals, probably. That aroma was, was marked. It was there. And you think about that as a Christian. Do you or do I have dead flies that have spoiled that aroma? And the world watches us, the world looks at us, and they can't figure us out. Not because they don't understand the new birth and all of that, but because it's inconsistent. It doesn't add up. 
And that must be a tremendous disappointment to God when it becomes a stench rather than this sweet aroma of Christ. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to show us whether we need to throw out some old, contaminated, smelly oil of our own works or our own things that we're trying to do on our own, but to have that fresh oil anointing that those around us would have that clear sense. Like um, Brother Rigo read this morning in the devotional there in Acts. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. There was an aroma was going out. The aroma of obedience. The aroma of submission. The, the aroma of love to Christ and to each other. All those things were there. Let's not allow any dead flies in, in our earthen vessels to, to mar that uh, sweet aroma that Christ wants us to, to have and to beautify not only our own lives, but the lives of those whom we touch. May God help us with this. Let's kneel to pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you what it means to us through our Lord Jesus and that we can find forgiveness, we can find restoration through repentance and have that anointing of your Holy Spirit within us. Father, we know at times that we just simply need more of your Holy Spirit. We need a fresh anointing. And Father, we're there. We have allowed dead flies to contaminate and cause that stench in our lives. We just pray that we would seek your forgiveness and help. And Father, we trust your Holy Spirit to point out, into, in, point out in each of our lives this morning as we're open to you, as we're honest before you, any areas that we are inconsistent and we're not giving that, that faithful witness and we are not living out what we profess. We have allowed things to, to hinder us, and hinder that testimony. Father, we just pray that you would help us to know and understand your will and how we can apply it in our lives. Thank you for the worship occasion that we've had here this morning, the many truths that have come to us to challenge us, and may we go forth and put these into practice and not to just be like the man that looked in the mirror and walk away and forget what we look like, but to take notice, to understand, and through repentance to find the answers to, uh, to, to victory in each area of life. Pray this morning for those who are still sick and those who are struggling. Pray for Dave and Mart. Pray that you will continue to be with them in their lives, their healing. We pray for continued healing there. May your holy presence be with them. Pray for all of us, Father. We know the time is short. The return of our Lord is near at hand. Help us not to uh, allow any, any areas of life to... Uh, any dead flies to cause us to lose the importance of being ready and waiting for your soon return. We ask in the name of Christ. Amen.